the big end. Look at the turn. Oh, that was brilliant. Look, Bruce. Gee, it's a good kick. It is a great kick. It's one for the ages. O'Brien, some candy. And then a goal. Lewis runs into the open goal. Thank you very much. The Hawks are back in town. It's finally time to take a look at one of the big footy autobiographies of the year. Yes, it's our review of Ruffy, the story of one of the club's most beloved players. Plus, we check out what's been happening at Hawthorne lately, from Dingley updates to Dylan Moore. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason and joining me is my co-host, who is pretty chuffed to see our president, Jeff Kennett, still has friends in high places after all. G'day, Tiz. G'day, mate. Federal piñata paid out. Is it my cue to eat humble pie? Is that it? Do I have to walk back oh. everything I said last week? Because I'm not going to. No, we had a crack at him. We said if he's not useful for uh, political stuff, he shouldn't be involved in political stuff. And uh, apparently he managed to find an army could twist and got the money. And now we're looking great. We've got all the shovels we need because we were shovel ready for a we long time. We were indeed shovel ready. And, and now hopefully we're able to use the shovels. <laughs> And get cracking. $15 million worth of shovels from the federal government. Very nice. You'll I... notice that the army twisted was on the right side of the political fence. <laughs> and I do stress the word. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Martin Pakula had something to say about it, didn't he? He said, uh, well, they hadn't done that when we were looking at the project, so maybe we'll have another look at it. So there might be more cash coming. More cash are coming. I don't know. If certain lips could keep zipped, then perhaps miracles could occur. This is from the club's website. They reported Hawthorne's vision to provide a world-class sporting destination for the entire community has taken a significant step forward with the federal government making a $15 million investment into the Kennedy Community Centre. Meanwhile, in his most recent letter to members, President Jeff Kennett moved to tie a bow on this whole saga while once again tears lamenting the lack of state government funding. Quote... Given the politics here in Victoria at present, end quote. Yeah, another entertaining email from Jeff. Yeah, interesting. Um, just too many politics in Victoria at present. Look. Might want to just, you know, stay out of it. No, might, might, might want to just not contribute to the discourse if you don't like the politics. I think you Might want to just stay as far away as possible <laughs> from any sort of commentary of any kind that could hurt the club. Yeah, there is that. But thank goodness he managed to find some cash. Yes. Thank goodness, indeed. My worry is, as I said last week, or last episode, he hasn't learned a thing. He, he took another shot, he hasn't in, learned a thing. We, we spoke about this, he's emboldened. Yep. He's got nothing no, to lose. No, you called it. No, you're completely right. Uh, look, <laughs> However, they did, you see they put out the little carrot there, maybe we'll match it, yeah. in the hope that he mightn't say anything again. I mean, are you holding your breath? Because I'm not. Well, he's not. No, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> yeah, he's already taken a shot. He's not worried. Anyway, this is, you know, we got the money. We can kind of forget about how we got there. He picked up the pistol. And he loaded the chamber. <laughs> he aimed it down. He pulled the trigger. On what? And then he held his foot, limping about. Oh, come on. And then he said, why would Dan Andrews do this? No, 
he didn't. Yes, he did. No, that's this exactly is, what he that's did. That's ridiculous. He shot himself in the foot. Jeff, he's allowed he's to in, have an opinion. He is allowed, right? but opinions have consequences, and you can have private opinions and that he got don't hurt the club. Yeah, no, it's he, not he, the hundred and fifty million that Geelong got. It's a no, tenth of that. Well, I don't think we're angling for that anyway. But I tell you what, I don't know why we don't ask for more. Well, I know now that and we're then, not going to get more and and re- and receive less. <laughs> I think that is the obvious. <laughs> yeah, that's the play here. That's what we should do in yeah. future. Look, I, I don't. Want, I know you don't want to revisit this topic no. in, in greater detail, and I'm happy to move on. I mean, fundamentally, this is great for the club. We thought we were we going to have a fifteen million dollar deficit. We, we thought at least we w- we weren't going to get that funding. We do have that funding, thanks to the federal government, ScoMo and friends, and um, <laughs> look, it's a good ScoMo and friends. Well, that's who helped us out. I love how they got the treasure out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was all hands on deck. A big photo opportunity down yeah. at Dingley. Yeah, and uh, Bruce was there with some interesting growth on his face. He's yes. got a mo going. Yes, fingers crossed. That's a Movember gimmick. <laughs> okay, and now they're in December. That'll be well and truly gone. Didn't you like it? It was interesting, certainly. I think he's done something like that before, but I don't think he's gone the full brush look. Yeah. No, it was unique. Um, look, yeah, like I said, this is a good story, and we've got the money, and uh, Dingley, I guess, can now progress. So as Let's fru- get it going. Yeah, as frustrated as I am at Jeff, um, look, this is kind of all's well that ends well for now. And uh, look, if we, if we need a helping hand in future, I can only hope that things correct themselves, and he knows the best way to go about it. Um not holding my breath, as I said, but we can only hope, Tiz. We can only hope. And uh, perhaps we will be asking for more, but the fans asked for more and they got him. They indeed got a little bit of Dylan Moore, who's officially rejoined the Hawks, signing as a rookie. Now, uh, you might be wondering how this has already happened. Well, this is why you hold out forever on any list management decisions. Well, certainly in 2020. Because <laughs> they will change the rules on yeah. you. I mean, how prudent was that in the end of Wright and Co? Just to sort of sit back and wait and get full clarity from the AFL, who introduced a new policy after delistings were made that, that you can, can do this. Yeah, you can immediately put a player onto the rookie list, no holes barred, and they—they're. I mean, it's a, called a rookie list, but they're available for selection at the start of the season. So what this ended up doing for more is, I mean, I guess the standard protocol in the past would be to give assurances, look, you know, we're going to delist you, but you have our word that come our time in the rookie draft, we'll... We'll, we'll pick you up with we'll our third you. pick of the, of the rookie draft. Yeah. And should, should that come about, we've still got enough room on the list and someone and, else hasn't picked you already. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Look, we're committed to doing it should you be available. Um, that... <laughs> cut out that whole process uh, and we've got more back at the club so there's no hassle of having to delist him and then reselect him through the draft he's the 38th player signed to our list yeah, I was going to ask how many we've got left yep so I think Max is 44 from memory which is also newly announced so okay. they're, they're doing things on the fly the AFL uh, so there you go that's the state of things 38 players heading into the draft because they gave themselves another what half a, a week to uh, submit the lists, and then yeah. these changes to the mm-hmm. structure were made. So it's fluid, I, I just don't, it's I just, fluid thinking. I just don't understand why we have to wait so long for the draft. I'm getting a bit itchy. I just want to see it done. I'm getting excited. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. We're recording this, folks, on a Thursday afternoon. Um, so we're we're just under a week until the draft, and frankly, I'd be happy for it to happen tomorrow. 
<laughs> I don't know why we're waiting. I don't know what difference it Have makes. Have you noticed there's a, there's a strange phenomenon going on with uh, players talking themselves up before they enter the draft? No. <laughs> What's going on here? Well, I, I, was it Will... Will Phillips. Will Phillips. He's um, he's saying that he's an inside midfielder and he handles pressure really well. And I'm like, hmm. It's like I've never really felt that much pressure. I deal with it really well. Uh, yeah, I'm like, hmm, okay, right. <laughs> Selling himself. Yeah. Do you need to? You're going to go top 10 anyway. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Because it's not to anyone in particular. It's kind of just say, out there. You don't need to say anything. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff should be... That, that's marketing. Yeah. But you don't need to do that. Well, I mean, it'd be his manager, right? His manager's going, get out there, show him you're good at media. Yeah, but he's like you say, he's projected top 10. So what difference is it going to make? Yeah. Unless he wants to go to Adelaide? Does he want to go number one? Because that's not going to happen. I think they should have a laconic attitude. They mm. just roll in there and Ruffy was excited, but he was just sort of laid back when he was selected. Well, you Hodge, should... Hodge looked embarrassed. Well, that's. I think you almost should be. You should they have were, some humility. You're just they were starting. really kids back then, weren't they? Yeah. Now we're not really drafting kids. They're kind of. But even so, even so, it's a new workplace. It's a new environment, and there are standards that they haven't encountered before. They should have some semblance of humility, and I, I would prefer that actually, rather than a player outwardly marketing themselves. It's a bit. I don't know. A bit on the nose for me. What do you think of Yule uh, Hagen ringing? Uh, who's the key forward? Norton at the Dogs earlier in the season oh, to really? get some tips on how to deal with his upcoming opponent. Okay, well that's knowing he would be going to the Dogs. That's yeah, it's a tad presumptuous. I know the Dogs are going to get him, but still, it's kind of cool. Well, yeah, I mean, he must be confident. Yeah, yeah. While well, they're talking about him as like Buddy Light or the next Buddy, or that's true. That's true. I mean, they're giving up their entire draft hand for him. He'd want to be pretty good. <laughs> Surely, uh, the pick one, mm. Adelaide, have a go at him. You reckon? Surely. Why wouldn't you? Well, McDonald or Tilthorpe? Tilthorpe? Well, I mean, they're going to have pick two. The dogs are going to match. So just get yeah. that out of the way. Yeah. Or do they want the prestige of actually having a pick one in their side? Does that label matter to a club? Does that really... I don't know. Does it, Melbourne? <laughs> any chance ladies and gentlemen any chance to get i mean as much as we bang on about jeff in our own controversies in our own backyard both essendon and melbourne have provided just tons of entertainment in the past few days it's light entertainment isn't it it's just whoever's in charge at essendon needs to have a good hard look at themselves they sold their players down the river in an email on received late on a friday night about how they'd be reducing their wages this month yeah by 9%, I think. This is a fair bit. Yeah. It's not a small amount, but I, I love that. Buried on a Friday night. As, <laughs> as primo political strategy right there. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah. And thinking so, it wouldn't hit the media with that anyway. That's, uh, that is in itself just incredibly naive. And then apparently Melbourne thought they needed some more volunteers on board. <laughs> Don't they have enough out in the park? <laughs> that's, that's, they play like it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Jeez, usually you're the one going yeah, savage on it. Yeah, you're going well there. Yeah, no, I'm on a roll. So, yeah, they were just looking for students or something, and it was going to fit in with their work timetable. It was all oh, a big misunderstanding. Mm. You know, one guy that uh, could have ended up at Melbourne was uh, Jared Ruffhead. 
Really? Yep. Post-career, he was uh, scouted by the Suns in Melbourne and St. Kilda. And Carlton. He ended up being... Well, and Carlton. He ended up going with the Saints. I say Carlton because he actually says in a line, who'd end up... Who'd want to go there? One of my favourite lines of the book. Hey, we're in it now. We're reviewing Ruffy's autobiography. Let's talk about it. What are your first impressions? First impressions was I, I take off the dust cover, the dust jacket. Yeah, you've got it in front of me and it's just a plain yellow book. What do you do with your dust covers? Oh, well, they collect dust. <laughs> I know that, but usually they're on the book when well, they're Well, I read that. the book. Well, if you read the book with the dust cover on, then you damage the dust cover. This way I can damage what's on the inside and then put the dust cover back on and no one's the wiser. Yeah, I can see why you wouldn't value the inside of a book. That makes sense. Well, you don't see it on the shelf. <laughs> but you have to the dust cover. There. Anyway... What I was going to oh my point God. out was that he's used the brown on yeah, the actual book. Brown on yellow beneath the dust cover. Yeah. So most, most publishers sort of shy away from the brown and yellow <laughs> dynamic. Brown and gold, I should say. Okay, so when I said first impressions, you really took that to heart, didn't you? You've gone literally about the cover of the book. I more meant the... Well, uh, I meant the Hodge book looked like it was a Richmond Player. Right, okay. Well, that's true. I do remember that. No, I, I meant the Nougat Centre, the creamy Nougat Centre of this book, the actual content itself. <laughs> what did you think of it? it? It's funny, watching a player for so many years and, and one as colossal as Ruffy mm. and how the team is built around him and, you know, they'd chuck him in the middle when stuff was going wrong and he'd change the game in our favour and all that kind of stuff. You just sort of... Um, you don't appreciate the growth that he had as a man yeah. through his time at Hawthorne, and you, you know you're never really privy to the relationships. But what he goes through with cancer really displays the um, the warmth of the club around him. Yeah, uh, and how extended it is. Mm. Mm. Yeah, this is a book that really speaks well to that network. Like that entire network, not just the club, but just the friends and the professionals he had around him. Um, I mean, one aspect about this book that I really like that does sort of uh, diverge from the direction of uh, the Hodge and uh, Mitchell biographies that we've had recently and reviewed on the show. One thing this book does, it, it consults some notable figures in, in yeah, Roughhead's life. just hands over the narrative to other people. And that's fine. I, I liked that the narrative was expanded and fleshed out from other angles. I mean, you had uh, Donna Milne, the nurse, uh, Grant MacArthur, oncologist, Sarah yes. Ruffhead, Cam Ruffhead, Jeff Harris, the benefactor, and uh, Jordan Lewis, of course, being still to this day his best mate. Um, and I really enjoyed how these sections weren't purely testimonials to his character and how awesome he was. I, I think they genuinely fleshed out his story by giving it different dimensions about what was going on around him. I thought it was a very clever move from Peter Hanlon to do that because mm. it's very hard for Ruffy to explain what was going on for him. He does it well, but if he were to go on about it um, in these ways, I think mm. he would find that, well, I mean, he's not exactly at home with his emotions for a lot of it. I think the yeah. first... When he finds out the cancer's back in his lungs, that's the first time Sarah sees him cry. That's right, yeah. So yeah. there's some very dark moments in the book, actually. It's interesting. One of the things I quite liked was that juxtaposition of like him being sometimes direct and, you know, these are the musings of an occasionally blunt and no-frills country boy. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, it'll be a, a very 
contemplative read and there'll be very moving aspects, which I guess, given everything that's happened to him, you could expect that. But but it's th- not that navel-gazing. No, 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 no. It's, it's, not, it's not an indulgent book at all either. No. Um, and he's very thankful. Yes. He appreciates how yeah. lucky he is. Mm. Um, but like he says, he was loving life. He's, he's got three premierships in the pocket that he's diagnosed. Yeah. Gets it on his lip. They cut it off. He plays in another premiership. Mm. And then it comes back. Yeah. And uh, everything's thrown up in the air at that point for the both of them. They're just married and uh, looking to start a family. Renovating as well, which would would go on to play a, a bit of a role in his life in yeah. terms of his comfort levels and dealing with all this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the minutiae of day-to-day life when something like that is going on can really weigh on you. But from seeing the superhero on field mm. to the growth of the man off field... Yeah. And, you know, you meet him on family days and all that kind of stuff. Mm. You never really know the guy, but you admire him. Yeah. This book has only made me admire him more. And oh, on another yeah. level. This is yeah. this is a book of um, a stoicism, mm. uh, an inability to admit, you know, defeat or... The ultimate defeat. Yeah. But yeah. he's just so positive. That he's going to get through it, and it's inspiring. He um, never entertains, as we say, defeat. He just plows through it, and I think a recurring theme, maybe even on the on the dust cover, um, is that he treats it like football. He sees cancer as an injury to overcome, and you got to do what you got to do, and you will get through it. And his physician sees that preparedness in Ruffett as being very, very integral to his recovery. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he had treatment that um, basically has changed the way they look at these diseases. Mm. Mm. Very determined and methodical approach to such a serious illness. It's commendable. I don't know. Who, uh, I think I'd be hit for six if it were me. And I don't know how I would. I, I certainly don't think I would respond in the way that he responded. But that's the beauty of this book. Mm. You now know you can. Yes. Yeah. No. It's a. Yeah, there's a risk of laying it on too thick. But this is a this is a triumph of human yeah, and will. He do, and he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't lay it on thick. He just no, says, no, I, I, I know, never thought. Yeah, about I know, the other possibility. I know that he doesn't. But when I look at it objectively, I, I think it is a triumph of human will. And and just faced with, I mean, there are not many bigger things or afflictions than cancer. So and, and in one way, this is this becomes a, a book about surviving cancer. I would say my disclaimer is don't go into this thinking it's a football book about the good times at Hawthorne. I mean, it, it just it can't be that, listeners. Like, it's been written already. Well, it's been written by Hodge and Mitchell already, and I'm kind of glad that we don't have a third book to do that. This is a very personal tale for and Ruffy. As yeah, as well it should he, be. He starts off with his family for what seems like a long time when you're reading the book, <laughs> but it's good. The, that's it, fine. The embedding of uh, historical context to the Ruffhead name and and where they come from and yep. and, and sort of already s- sowing seeds for how how the termination and yeah. his iron will comes from the bloodstock. Well, the, the the introduction basically takes you right into that crisis point where he's uh, breaking the news that the cancer has returned, and then chapter one is all right. 
let's rewind, let's look at where I came from yeah. and how and contextualize everything that's about to happen, which I think is really useful. Um, one thing I really liked about this book as well is that there's a great sense of his character and personality that comes through. You can sort of hear it in his voice, which I think I can also say of Mitchell and Hodge's books, but there's something a little bit more special about this one. I don't know, don't quite know what it is. It's very accessible. It's a bit rough around the edges as well, mm. but I think each to their own. I mean, one thing I noted about uh, Mitchell's autobiography is you can hear him. It's very articulate. You can and, hear the amount of books he's read. Yeah, in there's, there's, his <laughs> It is uh, a very intelligent football book, is Mitchell's, and, and this is just uh, not to say this is not intelligent. But this, it feels very authentic. It's a storytelling. Yeah, exactly. And I, I thought it was great. I, I really liked, I mean, I say it's not purely a football book, but there are some great football recollections. I really enjoyed how he recalls the 2008 grand final. And, and I don't, for anyone who's read it, uh, listening to this, like you'll, you'll remember that he, he talks about it in such a way that has such childlike glee. Yeah. Like, even today, like, he's still... Wide-eyed about it. Yeah, and just will forever love that moment of beating Geelong. And I think the three-peat era was a bit the same. Oh, you um, can hear the love for his teammates as well. All the three-peat stuff, I think, is insulated in one chapter, really, yeah. called Backyard Legends, which is interesting. And, you know, as you'll read it, you'll get the context and what Backyard Legends is referring to specifically. But... The way he talks about that time is is his get-togethers with his teammates. It's not so much about the on-field exploits. It's about the fabric of their connection, um, which, again, I very much value. I don't need a retelling of things I can watch on DVD. I want to know what happened around it. I Breakfast the next day and bacon and egg McMuffins and how that forged tradition, one that continued... One that was born out of a loss, but continued throughout the next three years. Every time they won, they'd go back to someone's place and have uh, McMuffins. It's, and the youngest just, fella has to go get them. That's right. <laughs> was it Gunston at one yeah. stage? <laughs> he yeah. played a ripper and then he's gone. He has to go get the McMuffins. <laughs> he's basically a T-boy. <laughs> Fantastic. But uh, yeah, I thought... Um, yeah, there are familiar stories and notes, but they're all sort of cursory customary nods and setting context but what really makes this book great is it's personalized it's not just things rehashed in more detail it's very roughy centric in his take on things and when it comes to things that we were pondering on the pod mm. about the captaincy yeah and whether he should take it whether it was too much for him mm. All that kind of stuff. He lifts the lid and he yep. shows you exactly what was going on in his mind, how the club spoke to him. Mm. They, they even consulted his doc. You know, it's uh, it, it's good to read that because you do wonder, don't you? I'm sure if people uh, listened back to our previous episodes way back when, they'll we, hear us wonder aloud. And we, and we shouldn't have wondered. They had it, well, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, they knew no, what they, they were doing. There was a player vote. He won and then the club... Went and checked whether it'd be all right yeah. with, with all parties. Did their due diligence. I I, I know that Geordie, Geordie Lewis was worried. Um, yeah. Listening to his section in the book. I, I listened to the audio book, folks. Um, He's a fascinating uh, car- uh, actor in this book, too, because <laughs> he has a multitude of opinions. Yeah. And even when they're not acted on, 
a couple of times he says Ruffy's made the right choice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's very very humble of him, I guess. Yeah. He's happy to accept that. But he, he had question marks over the captaincy. And when I was listening to that bit, the audio book, he said virtually the same things I was saying at yeah. the time. I was like, really? Do you don't think this is too much? But, oh, well, I mean, it worked out. I didn't realise that Ruffhead had been in the leadership group since 08. That... Um... Yeah, that was something that had passed me by. That's uh, a long time to be in the leadership. It's a detail I've, I've since missed from my first reading of this, but that is a long time. Um, I also liked the insight into the end of his career and the talks around that. Yeah, um, and how um, how disappointed he is mm. in Hodge and Mitchell and Lewis playing in other Guernseys before their time was up. Yeah, I think it hurt him a bit by the sounds. And, 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 and Suckling, he mentioned Suckers yeah. as well. And I think he was overseas with um, Burton. Yep, and Jeray at the time, I think. Yeah, and they both left in that summer or the off-peak. Yeah, he, he does make mention of that whole uh, landscape at the club sort of changing before he was ready for it to change. And interestingly, he basically gives a little tick to Burton. Yeah, yeah. Off to port. Well, I think he saw the um, the silver lining of it for Burton. I don't think there's any doubt that Burton was aggrieved by oh, it. Absolutely. Yeah, but I think Ruffy takes um, takes the lighter side of things and goes, no, here's why it was probably good for him. Um, what, what you're alluding to is when uh, there's a bit of a conflagration between Andrew Russell and, and Clarkson and, and Ruffy and yeah. the media at large about how his form is and, mm. and there's... Yeah, that's fascinating for me. I don't really want to bring that onto the pod because that is one of the things you'd read the book for. Yeah, no, I was going to say I'll shy away from any greater detail um, because that's fascinating and I think you should all, well, you should all, I mean, I don't want to go into final recommendations or final thoughts, but go and get this book. Let's just put it this way. Uh, It's a question we all asked ourselves and I Mm. never thought it would be put directly to Ruffhead in the way that it seems to have been. And not that he... I mean, you don't take that question well at any stage. Yeah, yeah. But with all he'd been through, it was still... Well, I suppose it still had to be asked. Uh, well, he thought he still had more to give. And by the end, it's, you know, in the concluding stages of the book, he sees that in retrospect, Clarko probably made the right call. But um, no, I'll, I won't shed too much light on that because it's a fascinating read. And that but... was, other clubs were looking for him. Like you yeah. said before, they, were, yep. they wanted to bring him in. And we can see he certainly had some impact at St Kilda this year, but mm. uh, more than happy to go to the twos. Of course, as we were saying, like this is not just a footy book. This is a, very much a, um, a personal book and his, his journey is far as cancer goes. I mean, the, the extent of his um, physical hardships is astonishing. Like, the, the kind of detail, and he's very candid, which is to his credit. Like, he, I know he's writing a book, but some of the details are a bit <laughs> frightening. The stuff with his feet yeah, was, uh, I mean, we've visited this on the pod before, the, the, the nerves in his feet were shot, but the extent of that and how he managed it... Um, I mean, it gives you, as a Hawthorne fan, you read this and you get a very, like instantly a greater appreciation that he was even able to come back at all. Uh, I mean, his doc says his colleagues had written off his career. Uh, it, it, and it makes sense. Once you, you read his recollections, Ruffy's recollections on it, and you're like, how was this even on the table, the idea of returning? It, it's, it's madness. Well, that's what he wanted. 
Yeah, he was determined. Yeah, and not only did we, as we say, he got the captaincy as well. What did he, you think of um, this, this, the part where he goes and talks to the psych? He says, "I haven't got any outlets." That's your, that's your go. <laughs> the, the, the psych thing. Um, I thought it was interesting how. He didn't touch on it much, but he said, yeah, I didn't really get much out of it. <laughs> I know. And I was a little bit... But look, maybe maybe he didn't. Everyone copes with things in different ways. And clearly, look, the way he coped with it, he's come out the other side of it just fine. So clearly, tick that box. He did I well. Would, I would say he would have had a lot of psych coaching throughout his career anyway. Yeah, I just... To come in with the idea that he knew he didn't have any outlets left to use at the moment because most have been shut down by the illness. I yeah. think that's a great awareness. Oh, it is. Yeah, no, that's that's to his credit. But but me personally, I would like to explore that more <laughs> rather than him turning his back on that. I can always hear the phrase, let's explore that more, Jared. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right, Tiz. <laughs> no, that's what I'm into. That is the, uh, I would just want to flesh it out. That is my want. But look, I found it, interesting i found the psych component of it interesting um and i do credit him with that awareness i think that was astute of him to notice that his whole life was surrounding this football club and that pastime and then he just didn't have anything but his illness which has got to be incredibly debilitating on a psychological level as well and if you ever hear people having a crack at hawthorne being the family club just tell them to read this book yeah read the book Read the book. Because um, it's incredible how many people stand up and, and, and look set to help him. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give hats off to Ruffy as well for an entire chapter on Hawthorne's Indigenous players in his playing career. That was not something I expected, but I'm glad it's a thing. Uh, he talks about Bateman through to Carl uh, Peterson. Yeah. He gets a nod. And of course, you know, Buddy and Rioli and Burgers. And um, I think it's uh, good of him to put his hand up and say that he was pretty poorly educated with Indigenous affairs early on. And um, he was set right by the, by the likes of Changa and, and Clarko was quite big on instilling the playing, the playing group with Indigenous education. And I just, I think where people pick up this book, they're not expecting a chapter like that, but I'm very glad it's in it. So we've seen a few of our players make stands recently, Wingard being one of them. Burgers has started to become more vocal. Mm-hmm. And um, Cyril's quieter about it, but he's achieving a lot where he's where he's returned. Yep. I think he's based in Darwin now. Cyril's activism is much like his playing style. He doesn't have to do much to have a huge impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just put in, you know, share something on Instagram with an emoji and that'll say it all. It surprised me too. I'm not sure of the authority of Rufford, but he definitely wants the conversation out there, doesn't he? I think that's the point. I think he acknowledges that his authority in the the early days of the club was non-existent. Um, I credit him for trying at least, you know, I think that's important. So anyway, I'm glad that we have this book. I'm glad it exists because it's absolutely a story worth telling. All of it from uh, his early days, all the family stuff in the early stages of the book, um, his immense success, his immense personal success. The ridiculous amount of hours he spent doing sport as a youngster. Yeah, there's a photo of him as a, as a youngster on the basketball court and you look at it and you're like, we're very lucky that he went to footy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he would have dominated. That is, that is another thing, isn't it? Um you know, he's taken before Buddy. Mm. 
which surprises a lot of fans. Yeah. Um, but we're very lucky to have picked a character like that. I think um, Geordie says at some stage that, make no mistake, like Ruffy's right alongside Buddy in terms of his output and ability. And impact. Yeah. I mean, what a force. What a duo. But, you know, he's 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 a legend. He'll go down a legend. He's, well, he's already there, which is quite remarkable being one year out of the game. But he'll always be viewed as a Hawthorne legend. I think... This is a great story about his personal triumphs and his accolades as a footballer, probably more the former than the latter. It doesn't really read like a traditional footy book, and that's fine by me. That's a strength, in fact. Yeah, I wanted more cheer squad moments for me. Well, you wanted more of the same about stuff at Hawthorne. I can read that a hundred times. But you can with other books. (laughs) This book is everything it needed to be. I think it's a definite um, home run of an autobiography, and I'm happy to recommend it. Does Ruffy ever mention the commentators and how they talk to him? And No, that was out of bounds, mate. That was out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he doesn't mind having a crack at the media, though, which I quite liked. Yeah, well, that's honest. I mean, if, he's probably too honest on a lot of occasions. And he, and, he says, <laughs> and he says that he wants to be honest with the media, which, although laudable, yeah. probably not. Advantageous? Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember that. Uh, presser where they were going yeah. for him to, saying you know is your career done yeah what are you doing what are you it's doing it's just written all over his face how angry he was yeah but people describe it in in that very book he's described as a grumpy bastard yeah and uh, I'll tell well, you I'll I, tell you this right now that's come across at family day yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine that's fine and I look I think Sarah I, says he appreciates manners or something <laughs> yeah that's right yeah he's that's, very big on manners so don't just walk up to Jared and be like, sign this. I mean, like, he doesn't have this. the most um, approachable demeanour anyway. He's a huge man. <laughs> yeah, but the things he articulates in terms of fans just rocking up and being and putting something under his nose, like, no, there's please and thank yous and there's, you know, courtesy yeah. and stuff like that. I like that he appreciates it because I do too. There's a, there's a strength of character there. He's not... Yeah. Yeah, I reckon I'd just be happy to be recognised for the first couple of years. Well, I was going to say, I think you get to about 15 years and uh, when Tom Brown or (laughs) Mark Stevens... Can't we go an episode without mentioning that fella? Most fascinating man in football. Did you see the tweet today? The one about uh, cricket? Yeah, if you're allowed to change your, your stance at the crease, can you put the ball in the other arm to bowl? And I think he concluded the tweet by saying something like, very interesting debate. No one was having this debate. No one was having it. Because that's against the laws of the game. That's right. Stick to footy, mate. In fact, don't even do that. (laughs) (laughs) He's a laboratory laboratory observation context. I think he's a fascinating man. It's like a freak show. Uh, That's a bit harsh. You're in favour of them? I'm thinking more... um, two-way mirror and just just observing and being like who are you how does your mind work well, i just want to see you like it's be just, around other people without a filter on twitter I, we've yeah. got enough of them or an appreciation for punctuation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway uh back to the book 
Well, get the book. Is there anything? Yeah, that's all that's left to say. Get the book. I mean, it's we, a we, it's a good read. I wouldn't read it on the beach because it's one of those ones you probably want to keep for a while. But the uh, the font is good, don't you think? The font it's, is it's, good. You know, when you pick up a book and you want to read it, and it's got one of those disgusting fonts, Comic Sans. Oh, no, well, you know, Windings. it's just a little bit hard to read. This is an easily readable font. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a real page turner. But then that's how books work. I'm sure I made that joke. The the very last episode we did a book corner. You, you're gonna uh, you're gonna admit to the listeners what we did. What's that? I'll listen to the audiobook. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ruffy himself doesn't narrate it. Yeah. How good would that have been? I think it would have been fantastic. But the guy who does the audiobook, I forget his name, but he uh, um, he does an excellent it, job. Was it Jaeger Amira? <laughs> I believe that wasn't his fault. Okay. Whatever. I reckon he got direction. But I I love the audiobooks on footy. Yeah. No, they could. They're good stuff. Yeah, I'd recommend the audio book. Talk about falling asleep. Oof. What are you talking about? No, it's good to fall asleep to. It's a safe... Is that a compliment? Or... Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fair I enough. fall asleep to audio books. That's... All right, just wasn't sure how you're framing it. Relax. I do. You can put a timer on it. It's not like it keeps reading throughout the night. Anyway, the point is, Christmas coming up. Uh, this is an ideal buy for any Hawk fan in your life. They're obviously going to love it. Um, I did. Happy to recommend it. Um, so there you go. There's our long-awaited Ruffy review, and I think both of us give it two thumbs up. So is that um, that the best one? That is the best one that we've done on this show. Yes, that is my favourite. Followed of the three Peters. Yeah, followed by Mitchell, and then <laughs> unfortunately for Hodges' book, I think yeah. every subsequent. It's okay, but they know where it comes. Every subsequent one that is released makes the Hodge one seem worse. Like I just. Yeah, looking back, I'm not rushing back to that book. It's all right. We get another book out of him. It's fine. <laughs> Do you reckon we would? I I really want to read Cyril's story. I was I thought you were going to say Silk because I know Burgoyne's going to Well, that is deal. happening, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah. We've so, got to wait for him to finish. A few years away, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Franklin will have one, which we can, you know, we'll review the off. first half. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you I got um, a Dipper's book from 2012 the other day for um, $4.99? Is that um, the Ronan Keating edition? Life on the Roller Coaster. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Almost. Uh, the Ronan Keating song is Life is a Roller Coaster. What's the difference? With that I, accent, I couldn't tell what he was I, saying. I'm ashamed of myself, listeners, for knowing that. Um, <laughs> so I apologize. Lowered my colors by knowing anything about Ronan Keating. You could say that I say it best, but I say nothing at all. Okay. <laughs> All right. What else do we do on this show? Oh, that's right. We take miscellaneous listener questions. Is there some footy player hmm. who's never likely to get an audio biography? Did you but, just say audio biography? Yeah, I they did. should. That, that that's should be, actually a thing. It should be. Right? Yeah, it should be a thing. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there one you'd love to read? As in one from left of field? Yeah, one that's never going to be written. One that's never going to happen. Nick Reese. Nick Reese. No, I'm kidding. Uh, wow. I don't know. That's a tough one. Well, I'm, maybe we'll leave it. We'll come back to it. Well, why don't listeners hit us up at Hawk Talk Pod on Twitter. Or you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash hawktalkpod. Let us know who you'd love to see a book from. It's not necessarily like an out-and-out superstar. One that's a bit unusual. Give us an unusual autobiography choice. Well, some of those, some of the guys back pocket players, some of them have the greatest idea or perspective on the game. Uh, Campbell Brown. He uh, did one. Did he do one? Yeah, Rise of the Suns. No way. Yeah. How did I miss that? Did he talk about Hawthorne at all? I don't know. Maybe he didn't look in the bargain bin. 
Oh, geez. I thought I saw some good hits during Campbell Brown's playing days. That wasn't bad. <laughs> you went Campbell Brown. That's the last person you want to go, mate. Look out. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> him and uh, Xavier Ellis. Xavier Ellis would absolutely have a book in him. Yeah, I can see that. I was thinking more um, someone like Andy Collins, who went across a few years. Teaming up with Sam Mitchell to uh, lead the Box Hill Hawks, which is very exciting. Yeah, and in, in the photograph there is um, Clinton Young. Yeah, he's you, back. You had to note that for... I didn't notice that at first, but Clinton Young is apparently back in the fold. So, the family club, eh? Do you think that's well. a, one of those coaches' picks? Sam Mitchell's gone and got him? I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, what experience does he have, Clinton Young, besides being a player? Do, does he have anything else on the CV? I mean, I trust, obviously, the Dunn there. Do you need much else? Well, I don't know, mate. Did you see Marco Bello has gone, Marco Bello. Has gone to Adelaide? Yes, yeah, he's gone to Adelaide. Uh, and since we're on a roll here, Paul Puopolo back at Norwood. Is he? Yep, that brought a smile to my face today. I saw that on Twitter. He's been recruited by Norwood, and uh, and so it continues, his footballing journey. So good luck to him. Didn't know that. That's, yep. that's interesting. That was in the last couple of hours, so I've brought that as a uh, Hawk Talk Pod exclusive. I wonder where he played. Norwood. No, I mean... <laughs> The position. This is a silly joke. Well, he left as a back pocket. Paul Waffle, back pocket? Yeah, he played back pocket for, for the Suns game. Oh, Norwood. I thought you were talking about the Gold Coast Suns game. <laughs> yeah, it literally has been that long since he last played back pocket. Yeah. Never played there again. Box Hill. Back at training. Uh, I want to give a shout out to, and I'll, I'll never get her name right until she corrects me in person, I'm sure. Kadek Thatcher? Sounds good. She does stellar work, magnificent shots of Box Hill always, and I saw on her Instagram that they're back at work. And I must invite her to my next kick to kick. Shot of me that looked good on a footy card. Of you? Well, I mean, <laughs> there is Photoshop, Chief. <laughs> now, why do I think I'm going to be the one to edit those shots? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Insta. Kicking great goals there. Oh, yeah, we're on Instagram. Paddy uh, Hill hit you up. Instagram.com slash hawktalkpod. Yes, well, we're reflecting fondly on the VFLW Premiership win. It was a sensational shot that I hadn't seen before. I haven't seen this photo in the rooms of the women holding the cup aloft. And I thought it was a brilliant one. I posted that and Paddy just got in touch and said, yeah, it was a good day, that. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Box Hill back at training. Uh, I'm just wondering, is there any other tidbits that we've missed? Um, there's just been all... Sort of little news bites. Uh, I don't. I think we've covered all of them. What happens um, with the Box Hill boys when we have the Kennedy Centre running? Mind you, that but that's another thing we should probably talk about. The whole East Coast competition with Box Hill in it now. Yeah, they're going to be travelling yeah. a lot. And it's, how the hell are they going to afford that? Yeah, it's an interesting. They've got to work out how that's going to work. Well, wasn't after this year everyone on their knees? How yeah, was it was ha- meant to be. You know, AFL Austerity Football League. That was that's what we were all hearing. Hey, uh, that's something that came out, the uh, the annual report. Oh, yeah. We lost some money. Yep. There you go, listeners. The AGM's coming up. So yeah, you have can... you submitted any questions? Well, when I went to submit questions, the link was broken. I Do you know what? I haven't been back. Do you so... know what happened to me? I yeah. must have submitted from the wrong email address. <laughs> okay. And they're like, we don't have a record of you, Tiz. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, conspiracy theories right there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the thing. I mean, you can submit questions. What did I say? They are going to screen them. 
And so I do wonder if it's worth it. But no, I'll have a crack. You just never know. Look, if James Morrissey can get that question out last year, I think you'll be all right. Well, they were, everyone was there in person. There's no escape. There's nowhere to hide. Do you get what I mean? Like, he just ambushed the I board. don't think he's what he needs screening on the questions, really. So speaking of questions, listener questions. Mm, yes, this one from Peter at Hawk Talk Pod. In relation to Connor Downey and the draft, which, tis, is about a week away now, less than, uh, do you know whether we have enough points value with the picks that we have to stave off a bid for Downey by GWS should that come about? That is something that was uh, just predicted by Cal Toomey. Uh, reckons that the Giants, if anyone's going to make a bid, it might be the Giants at pick 20. Why? Uh, we'd have to ask them that, tis. <laughs> didn't, didn't he give a idea of why they'd want him at pick 20? No, I don't think so. Well, we, would, we shouldn't have any trouble matching that, should we? Well, because cause you've got to remember that uh, although we look like quite far back, yeah. when the Western Bulldogs, Sydney and I think Brisbane, when they all match bids, yeah. we are moving like about nine or seven positions up the order, which then creates much higher points on those picks. Yeah. Which yeah. we then which we then use for Connor. Yeah, that was something that discussing with you off air that I didn't take into account because initially I was crunching the numbers uh, minus without taking bids into account and how that would change the order of things. And it looks like, as it is, just on the surface, if no bids were made at, at all during the draft, I think we would need the only way we could possibly match it as the draft order stands is if that bid came at. 22 or later any earlier would probably have to use three picks right all those the three in the 40s that we have mm-hmm. and i don't see us using three picks for downey uh when it gets to 22 we can use two um and that'll be sufficient but as you say when bids start going through that's going to change the order so it probably won't come to that and also don't forget if there does come a bid on downey mm. We have however many minutes it is to come up with a solution. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. can move that pick 24 somewhere else or, you know, we'll bring in some other late picks in order to match it and then come back in after that's done. I mean, you'd have to imagine that they do have contingency plans Absolutely. up their sleeves. Yeah. I would say that right now, although the trading of picks is closed until draft night itself... They would be working on something. They would want to trade and somehow get another first rounder. They'd want to get inside that 24, right? Yeah. But they haven't accomplished it so far. Does it mean that they're not going to? Well, I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts to the draft. It could happen on the night. I don't see how it's going to happen. It doesn't mean it can't. At least we don't have to you know, tune in after a couple of hours to see picks 74 and 76 finally get taken this year. It's just really hard for us, wasn't it, when we were winning those premierships? <laughs> Turning up to the draft late. I mean, you knock 76. That's my boy, Mitch, and I would ask that you <laughs> refrain from doing so, please. Uh, should be a big year for Mitch Lewis. Excited. To be honest, I, I was looking at the draft previews, which have finally come out and been created, and all I do is, you know, control F, Bush Rangers, just look at all those players. Why? Any any reason? We just seem to pick up bush rangers here, there, yeah. and everywhere, don't we? Yeah. No. I mean, it's not a bad. Or... It's not a bad way to be. I think your boy Mitch was a call to cannon, though. Yeah, the, <laughs> Hawthorne's been doing some um, 
retrospectives and, and posting old pics of Jay Sicily looks so young in his. He looks ridiculous. He's filled out amazingly. Did you but, see someone asked how on earth did Will Day get picked up with that physique? And I Will mean, responded. Oh, did he respond? Yeah, what he's did he like, say? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. It was very good. I mean, look, it's a fair question. He looks very slight then. Anyway, yeah, hard to know what's happening with Downey. Um, if we want him, we get him. That's the main point. Yeah, a, a prediction right now would be an absolute shot in the dark. You will, you'll be making predictions right up until it happens or doesn't happen, honestly. That's how the draft is going to work. So, I mean, we just wait and see. Hollands is looking good, though. Yeah, you think so? Mm. That one's a little more easy to predict, <laughs> considering where our pick is. Do you, you think he's our guy that we're going to... If he's available, that we'll choose him. Yeah, I honestly think the first three, will, you know, apart from um, Hugo Hagen, Hagen yep. um, they'll all be big boys. Yeah, same that way. Including the Sydney, um, what's it? DGB. DGB, that's it. <laughs> Tempted Ranger Barras. Even though they recruited two defenders last year, I think, mm. didn't they? So they lose a Lear a Lear, even yeah. though the, those guys are coming through and they're still recruiting a defender. I'm a bit worried about that, but mm. um, he should be available as the best non-key tool. Yep, and uh, fills the need as well. It would be a good pickup. Uh, shall we move on to Lee's question? At Hook Talk Pod, do you think we should leave a spot open for the mid-season draft? There will be a lot of top-age players next year who got overlooked due to not being able to play. You're allowed to swap out, like you're allowed to recruit for injured players in the mid-season, aren't you? Or is that the SPP? Yeah, I, I think it might be the SPP. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm getting lost in this because it's a fairly recent. I hope that, you know, COVID's a thing in the past and the, mm. and the AFL go, all right, you can add a few more players to your list by the time the mid-season draft comes around because um, they've got to create more jobs for these players. Yeah, well... You know, as long as it's an across-the-board thing, they mm. just say, okay, well, we're going to extend list sizes by two or three. Yep. And but I, every- do, I do think it's a good point. I think we should try to maximise our manoeuvrability for the mid-season because um, you're going to have players running around mm. out there who would have made the draft this year but lacked opportunity to perform. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's a good idea for- And there'll be 19-year-olds running around and um, you'll want them. And you don't want to wait. If you don't have to wait till the draft at the end of the year, you mm. get first pick. It's insurance as well. You don't know what's going to happen to your list. If you bring someone on and then have them in your back pocket, just in case, you, you just don't know what would happen. What I'd be interested in is if we haven't addressed it by then, keep it open for a ruck. You don't know what's going to come up. If there's no glaring ruck talent at this stage, uh, maybe next year. Maybe next year the way will become more obvious. I love Sean's question. Oh, yes. The final question for the podcast this week. Sean, at Hawk Talk Pod, is the list build strategy of the club any clearer to you now than it was before the trading period? And if so, can you please enlighten me? I'm also a listener at this point. <laughs> wow. What a hospital hand pass. <laughs> All right. Let's review the question. Is the list build strategy any clearer to me now before the trading period? No. We got a wing. Well, this is what I'll say. No, it's not because we lost a wingman and we lost a defender and then we brought in a wingman and brought in a defender. So we've done well. They're both younger. We'll see what they can bring to the club. I think the list build strategy is too difficult to determine pre-draft. I can more capably answer that question in about a week's time. 
Why? I can tell you now. They're going to take three kids under 20. Okay, but what what kind? Well, one will be a midfielder. Okay. No, no, see, that, and this, so will the other why, two. This is why your comment is so and silly. So, and so will the other two. Yeah, there okay, fine. That, there's your prediction. But I'd be more capable answering it then. Because what if they take, um, I don't know, three defenders? They're not going to do that. Oh, aren't they? We've got a team How would defenders. you know? How would you know? Who played forward as young Yeah, kids. exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Blake Hardwick. Now they've already, they're already on it, saying uh, they're going to try and remedy their midfield issues. Yep. In terms of yeah, that's true. They getting are their head over the contested footy. Yep. But I mean, it's it matters who they take. I mean, we could get to next week, Which and is they, why your bloke Phillips looks good. My bloke Phillips. My bloke Perkins. He was my pick. Oh yes, Perkins. Archie Perkins. Now what I'm saying is, how would you feel if Hollands was available, and they went Perkins? Be a bit miffed, wouldn't you? No, not really. No? I'd be okay. excited for you, but also, you know, like, if you didn't work out, I'd be like... <laughs> the pressure's on. <laughs> hey, we're, we've done well with this podcast. We've got Warple and Mitch Lewis, still wait and see, but... I don't think we picked Warple, did we? Yeah, we did. What did Warple watch? Before the draft. Oh, no. I mean, we didn't... No. But when he arrived... No, if... this would be a new record. If you okay. picked okay. Haw- yeah, who yeah, Hawthorne yeah. were going to pick up. All right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that time you whispered into the mic, you know, we're going to get Mitch Lewis, because obviously we've dropped <laughs> Mitchell, <laughs> Mitchell and Lewis. And, Lewis, and this yeah. is just, you know... Yeah. But apparently that didn't make it to recording. That would have been my fault. I edit the damn thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, look, okay, fair enough. That would be a call from... As far out as I've any... Uh, as you I've, would almost elevate yourself to footy god status. I could take Tom Brown's job. Yeah. Cal Toomey might look askance at you before Tom. <laughs> hey, uh, Cal Toomey elevated Archie Perkins in the... Um, yeah, there's a lot of talk about him now. Well, the draft guide in November that he released had him at 10, and that was when he was on my radar. And suddenly, December, mm-hmm. he's moved up to 7. Ooh. So there he goes climbing. All I'm saying is, I think there'd be a fair few people that if we took Perkins over Hollands, there'd be a lot of scratching heads and question marks. Mate, this after Will Day, they'll be fine. They'll be like, trust oh. the club. Oh, I well, I hope so. I believe it. But um, my point in saying all of this is you can answer it. You're better equipped to answer this sort of thing once you pass the draft. I think Hawthorne, like I've said before, they don't know how bad or how good they are. Um, they need a year to find out that out, and yeah. it's going to be 2021, and they're not making hard decisions at the moment. It would have looked a hell of a lot worse if we hadn't have made the moves that we did in the trade period. We we lost what we lost, and then we gained it back inside, what, a week? So that is just a really difficult question to answer right now. We're effectively, albeit with two younger players, we're kind of where we finished the season. So I don't think the strategy is that apparent yet. We we lost players and we filled a need. And the draft will uh, better articulate for me what exactly we want to do and where the club thinks we need to improve. You've, you've said they're on the record as saying midfield and I would predict, as you have, that that's the route they're going to go. But I don't know. They also dropped Jones. That's right. That's right. Off the list. So you just don't know. But we will inside a week. And I'm personally very excited for that. Well, it's going to be good fun. I've heard that the draft takes place on one night, but then other sources have told me that it's two nights. So I'm a a smidge confused. I can't get a straight answer on this. I can Google it. 
but I'll still get conflicting answers. Do you happen to know? Or No, I was hoping it was on, on the same night. Yeah, I was hoping it was on the same night. Like I said, I've read as much that it's meant to be, but I guess we'll wait and see. In any case, the main event, the national draft, is on the Wednesday night. And uh, Even if they do broadcast the first 25, we're inside that, so yep. all good. Yep. Uh, we'll be covering it on our socials. Uh, we're inside that twice, actually. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I'll, I'll be manning the socials for the uh, the national draft, <sighs> so... Uh, what, you wanted to? <sighs> no, it's all right. <laughs> what is your problem? I love draft night. We're having the meeting on the pod now, listeners. What, do you do you really want to do it? I'll let you do it. No, no, I did it last year. Did you? And the year before. I don't think you did. Did I? No. What did I do then? Oh, the AGM. That's right. I always get saddled with the AGM. <laughs> That's you, it. Do you want yeah. to do it again this year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, listeners, we'll work it out. TBA, eh? Yeah, it's all right. Got enough chips there on my shoulder. <laughs> Need some salsa, <laughs> some dip. Uh, social stuff, just to wrap up, as always. If you love the show, shout it from the mountaintops, or you can at least just leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It'd be great. Love to hear from you there, as well as Twitter at Hawk Talk Pod. 2,400 followers by the end of the year is our hope. I think we can make it. We're about 17 or so off the pace. If you know a Hawthorne fan who, who might love our show and wants to engage with a great community online, direct them to Twitter, twitter.com slash hawktalkpod. And Facebook. Facebook is almost at 1,500 likes, which is awesome. Facebook.com slash pod. Explain something. Mm-hmm. We've got more, whatever they are, followers yep. than likers. Yes. What the hell's that? Well, I mean, we started with Twitter first. No, no. I mean, we've got more followers than likes on Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Are, yeah. people, are people following us on the sly without wanting to know that they're liking us? <laughs> They hate followers, too. They hate reading our posts. Is that what it is? I don't know. Why would I know that? I don't know. I just looked at it. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But either way, look, it's a great community over on Facebook. And the fact that it's always hit that milestone is tremendous. Uh, Instagram as well. Bet we one mentioned. of them's that bloody Gold Coast Suns pod. Why? Why? Why do you bring that up? Because. Have you seen the deal they did with Geelong? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. You, they gave them yeah. pick 27 for a third rounder next year. Yeah. I mean, we should have done that deal, right? If we knew we could get away with that, Hawthorne would have done it, right? It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's a missed opportunity on our part. Good luck to Anyone else would have done that. How yeah. can Geelong get away with it? Yeah, I don't know. Well, they asked a very silly question and they got the answer they wanted. It's, it's I don't know. Yeah, there you An go. An AFL-run club dealing with Geelong like that. Who would have thought? That's... <laughs> chip on your other shoulder now uh patreon.com slash hawk talk pod uh is where you want to go to support the show sling us some cash subscribe uh who knows you, you might already be a patron in which case you're listening to this just a smidge earlier than the uh than the other people who are fans of this podcast you'll be better informed sooner that's right uh and instagram we mentioned uh, instagram.com slash hawk talk pod uh that's our new instagram and it's a lot of fun there there's a good walk down memory lane i mean there's not that much happening with current Hawthorne media, so I've gone back into the archives. Hey, mate, before we sign off, um, I just wanted to announce something on the pod for our listeners, something to look forward to. Our last pod of the year, we've done a deal with the, uh, the Golden Years podcast. It'll be a one-pod deal, and uh, we get Ash Brown on loan. Excellent. Yep. So friend of the pod, Ash Brown, will be back on for our final show of the year, and we're just going to do a season retrospective. I mean, it's been a big year. It's so much has happened. I mean, not much winning, 
but that's fine. There's a lot to talk about still. And there's a lot to uh, contextualize in terms of uh, prepping for our next piece of silverware. So we're excited to talk to Ash about that. And have you bastardized the Christmas carol for the occasion? Oh, you're looking for another White Cross Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, you give me something to work on now. I mean, yeah, Wingard can... Wonderland, that'll probably work. Oh, there you go. Kind of rehashing. Mm. Yeah, not very inspired on your part. That's fine. That's Christmas carols all over. Yeah, well, you've got the mind ticking over now, so I'll think of something. Anyway, there's your agenda for the rest of the year for the Hawk Talk podcast. Um, the Ash Brown episode, we've got the draft coming up, obviously. The AGM will give us stuff to talk about. So, uh, still a bit of life in 2020. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, let's get it moving. Come on, people. <laughs> we all want this year to win. Is it three weeks to Christmas? Let's go. Yeah, that's exciting. That is exciting. Actually, Hawk's Nest, you seen that product? Guess who? Oh, that's right. Yeah. You had a far better idea. Battleship? No, not Battleship. Getting some players we don't know and putting them in the Ultra Hawthorne Supporter Edition. Yeah. (laughs) Ramp up the difficulty. Guess who? Uh, With um, Tim Clark. uh, (laughs) Nick Reeves. (laughs) Second mention on the pod. Can't believe his luck. John Hassel. Yeah. (laughs) Raiden Tallis. I mean, that is for serious hardcore fans. If you're doing Guess Who with those blokes, you're doing all right, I think. There are some other ones we could go through. Oh, there's the entire history of the footy club, mate. Yeah. Of course there are other ones. Ian Law. Got another one? Oh, um, there's a Ted Poole from back in the 30s, I think. That's right, yep. yep. And the, the, the name of our first captain, Dan Minogue. How often do you Brother hear his of, name? Uh, Kylie. Brother of Kylie. Could be the bloody father of Kylie. Come on, give us one more. Give us one more player. Give us an obscure Hawthorne player. I I really want to test how deep this goes, your knowledge. Oh, back pocket premiership player. Reg Poole. Okay, all right. Ever heard that? I mean, he's a premiership player. Why don't you go way more obscure? See, I was thinking Sean Wren. That's much harder. (laughs) Although readily identifiable in a guess who thing. How? Does he have a surname that's a bird? Yes, uh, and then flip everything down but one. <laughs> Who would ask that question? It's absurd, listeners. Hang on, there must be another. There must be another bird surname. Must be another bird surname. Yeah. Here we go. All right, thinking time. We're doing it live. <laughs> <laughs> no, do it live. We're doing it live. <laughs> uh, have you got anything? No! We're wrapping up then! What are you doing? (laughs) We're wrapping up. It's another Hawk Talk podcast for another week. We'll be back (laughs) soon. With a bird name, without a bird name? Guess you'll have to just tune in to find out. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.